My name's Stephen, and I am not one of the teaching pastors here at Rock Hills. I am here today because Al uh, poured out his soul into us this weekend at the marriage uh, getaway, and so, and also Dave, who speaks a lot here, he and his family are in China, and tomorrow, tomorrow, they pick up their newly adopted daughter. So please, yeah, we're very excited about that. Please keep them in your prayers. Because tomorrow they meet for the first time, and they're very excited, and they don't speak Chinese, and she doesn't speak English. So keep them in, in your prayers as that wonderful time that we rejoice with them is happening tomorrow. So today we're continuing our series on God's beautiful design. For us, the scripture says that we are made in God's image. We are his workmanship. Two weeks ago, I believe Dave talked about God's design for a woman. Last week, Al talked about God's design for a man. And today, I'm going to talk about how God has designed us to be in community and in friendship with others, and especially with other Christians. Now, I remember when I first became part of the Rock Hills community. So in 2009, we came. It was great. We came for maybe three or four weeks. Loved the speaking. But I was concerned because, see, it was too small. And I had in my head this idea of what, you know, what kind of youth group I wanted for my children. And, you know, my wife said, you know, you could think of it as small or as individual attention. <laughs> so that's good. And, of course, you know, like in every marriage with every issue, there's one person who's right and the other who's the husband. <laughs> so I went ahead and I put my foot down and we went to a bigger church for a while. And my, my older daughter, who is, uh, was eight at the time, actually said to me, I feel like a number. So, okay, okay, okay. We'll come back to Rock Hills. And when I came back, the greeter that day was Simon Tuzoff. I don't know how many of you remember him, but he's this really tall uh, uh, guy from Australia. He's like a professional uh, mountain bike racer, fitness coach, you know, nutrition coach. And we're talking, and I say, remind me again, which one is Dave and which one is Steve? Back in that time, we had another, another teaching pastor named Steve. And I said, which one is which? And he said, huh, okay. So Dave is the super fit, thin runner, and Steve is the, oh, less fit one. Okay, see, what I was looking for was Dave is the dark-headed one. But what I got was, oh, Steve is the less fit one. So I'm looking at myself going, uh-oh, this, this may be a community problem. I was really nervous. This would be the type of place where people come up to you and say, I'm so sorry I'm off my game. I've only run 80 miles this week. And I'm not myself till I hit 100. But it turns out... Uh, it actually is a fantastic community, and it really is just a community of imperfect people who are on the journey together trying to become more like Christ. So I'm going to talk today a little bit about community and friendship and how this is part of God's design. And I am not a trained pastor or anything. In fact, this is my first time to give a talk like this in a church, so please be patient with me. But... Um, <laughs> I will say one thing. I'm in the corporate world, right? And so I see all kinds of PowerPoint presentations. And whenever I see a presentation, I start to sweat a little bit if there's no outline. I need an outline. I need to know what's coming. So I'm going to go all corporate today and actually give an outline. But this outline is not to scale. I don't talk about everything the same amount of time. But it should be up maybe the outline. Yes. So I'm going to talk about how God... It's highlighted on the screen. Um, I'm going to talk about how God has designed us, designed us to need friends and be in community Jesus, I think, lived in community, and we have examples of this in Scripture. And the Bible also teaches us in the New Testament where it gives us instructions on how to live our lives. It also encourages us, instructs us to be in community. 
I'm going to talk about what being in healthy, good community looks like. I'm going to talk about how you can do that at Rock Hills. If you don't feel yet like you're a part of the community, how can you join it? And then I'm going to, at the very end, talk a little bit about people that you may know, or maybe it's, it's you who don't really feel comfortable being in a church community and why that, why that might be. So um, the first thing I'm going to talk about a little bit is how Jesus modeled friendship in the community. One of the great mysteries of our faith, it's so hard to understand, but so amazing, is that Jesus Christ, who lived 2,000 years ago, was 100% God and 100% human. Hard to understand, but it's true and part of God's plan. And the really cool thing about this, since Jesus was 100% human, he had our human design, and he had the same need for community that we do because he was human. Early in his adult ministry, he selected 12 men that he spent basically the rest of his life, the next three years with. These were called his disciples. And there were three of those disciples that he was closer to than the other nine. They were Peter, James, and John. And we see an example of Jesus' need for community in the account of the Garden of Gethsemane. This was a garden where Jesus prayed and spent time reflecting before what he knew was coming, which was that he was going to be tortured beyond recognition and executed. He knew this. He went to this garden to pray about it, and he brought Peter, James, and John with him. Now, the God part of him knew this was part of the plan, and this had to happen. But the human part of him, exactly like we would be, was terrified because of the horrible thing that was coming. The human part of him was terrified. It says in the next slide... um, It says in Matthew 26, verses 38 and 39, Then he, that's Jesus, said to them, and that is Peter, James, and John, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he, Jesus, fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. He says, Man, I do not want to go through this, but I know it has to be. But who he wanted there were his three closest friends, Peter, James, and John. They weren't going to change the outcome by being there. He didn't have them thinking, oh, if I get four people praying, maybe it'll change. No, he had them there because they brought him comfort in what was one of his darkest hours. And I think this is part of the reason that we are designed to be with friends and in community because we need people there with us when we are going through times that are dark. You know, I think it's another example in the Bible that I really like because back in the day, uh, the time that Jesus lived, very male-dominated society, but we also see that Jesus was friends with and in community with women as well as men. In John chapter 11, it tells the story of three siblings, um, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Now, um, Lazarus um, dies, and Jesus, and this is in John chapter 11, Jesus comes to the village where they are, And uh, Mary and Martha say, Lord, our brother Lazarus has died. And then one of the, to me, shortest but most amazing verses in the Bible is there. It says, Jesus wept. Now, earlier in that chapter, Jesus had already said he knew that Lazarus had died. He was going to the village to raise him from the dead to prove that he was the son of God, right? So when Jesus gets there and and it says that he wept, Why? Why was he weeping? 
it wasn't because, or to me, it can't be because of anything like, oh, Lazarus used to provide for them and now he won't, because he knew in an hour he was going to be raised from the dead, right? To me, the reason he wept was because he felt the pain that these women were feeling, that his friends and his community were feeling. He was there for them. He loved them so much that he wept too because of their pain. And I think this is another model that we have of the importance of living in community and having people that have our pain with us, that understand with us, that rejoice with us. We rejoice tomorrow with the Lances that they're getting their new daughter. It is, we're all happy for them. But we also need friends when our, um, when our times are dark and they, and they happen a lot. So not only did Jesus model community, but the Bible encourages us to live in community because it's how we're designed. Many of us know people, I think, that, that don't attend church. They use that, that awesome phrase, I don't really like organized religion. I don't, I don't like organized religion. They don't attend church and participate in community. And I think the reason that they do is because they get out of the habit. I'm a, I grew up in a, in a home where I was in church every time the door was open. We were not Baptist, but we were pretty close. And so we were, we were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. So I was in church all the time. And then I went to college. And some things happened and you know, it's kind of nice. I've got to study. I'm going to get out of the habit. It's very, very easy to do to get out of the habit. Um, and um, let's look at what the Bible says about meeting in community. Um, in Hebrews 10, verses 24 and 25, it says, let us consider how we spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Really like this verse because it doesn't say, from the heart of evil shalt thou not attend church. It says it's really easy to get into the habit, and I think we all know that that's true. But I also like this verse because it tells us why we should meet together. It tells us that we should meet together to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. To do that, to be able to know how to spur other people on, we have to know them, right? And to know them, we have to spend time with them. That's it, right? You can't know people, be part of a community, unless you're spending time with them. And this is why I believe we need to meet together. So I, um, I also think that because we're designed to be in friendship and community, um, if we don't fill that need with people who are pointing us in the same direction, in the way we know we need to go, pointing us toward God, we will fill it with people who point us in the wrong direction. Um, in fact, Scripture actually gives us a warning about this. 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Really like this verse because I like the part about do not be misled. It's so easy for us to mislead each other. It's so easy to look at this verse and say, Bad company? I don't hang out with bad company. I don't hang out with murderers or drug dealers or people who willingly went to the University of Texas. I don't hang around evil. Come on. (laughs) But what it does say is do not be misled. And I think a good way to think about this verse, it's not just bad company, it's wrong company, meaning wrong company for you, wrong company for me. I can give a personal example. Uh, When I was younger, I had a super good friend, really tight with this guy. And this guy was the life of the party. You would go into a room and he would have a circle of people around him because he could tell he was so funny and so witty and could tell stories and jokes like nobody's business. People would just be crying and laughing so hard. 
And it was great to be his friend because, you know, it's fun to be, you know, connected to the person that's like so popular in the center and all that. But the flip side of his sense of humor was he could be very cutting, very biting. And if he wanted to, he could turn that amazing wit and make you hurt and have people laughing while he was doing it. It was a hard thing. And if you guys, not everybody here knows me all that well, but I am a person who forever has wanted people to know that they are included and loved and wanted. And yet, and yet, when I hung around him, I became biting and cunning. This is not his fault. This is me. I did this. Other people would have said to him, stop being a jerk. I didn't. I kept it up because I wanted his approval. And I still remember, I still remember an incident that happened before some of you were born where, I, <laughs> yeah, it's a little, little embarrassing here because I now skew on the old end. But anyway, uh, I still remember an incident where he said something to somebody and this person looked to me for a little bit of help and I twisted the knife deeper. It's terrible. I know God's forgiven me for that. But this person was the wrong company for me because I was weak and I changed who I was and I did things that I, that I knew were wrong. I think when we're in Christian community, we need people who will tell us, don't do this. Don't invest yourself in this person that you can, um, that leads you in the wrong path, that has you do something you know is wrong. Uh, I actually had a very good friend at the time who is still a really good friend of mine today who told me at the time, I don't find this guy funny at all. And this person didn't use these words, but, but said, I don't like who you are becoming around him. I should have listened. I really should have listened to that. I should have listened to that wise counsel, but I didn't. One of the reasons I love that song, besides the fact that I think it's so beautiful when sung by Stonsky and Megan, is one of the lines in it is a friendship being like a stream that meets a boulder halfway through the woods. I like that image because a good friend is like that boulder. The stream is coming, and instead of just taking the path of least resistance and going straight, the boulder makes it choose. Is it left or is it right? You go in eyes wide open. You have to know you're making a choice. You're not just letting it happen. I think that we need friends like that in our community and friends who will love us enough to tell us the truth of you shouldn't do this. Now, one additional reason that I think that we should be meeting together is that as a community, we need you and you need us. And the scripture tells us this. The scripture says that we are all part of the body and therefore all have a contribution to make. This is a little bit long passage, but I want to read it because I think it makes some really important points. It says, even so, the body is not made up of one part but many. And this is talking about us. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the whole body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. 
you are uniquely made. You serve a unique function. The body, the community, the community of Christ is not complete without you. So when you decide, as some may have this morning, oh, it's raining, you know, and don't come, you're depriving other people of the part of the body that they need. Scripture encourages us that we all have a role. This weekend at the marriage getaway, we had some people talk about the hurts that they've experienced in their marriage and how they healed with God's help. And this, this to me is like talking about parts of the body. In the church I grew up in, there were many, many positive things. But one thing that we never said, that was never said, was that marriage is tough. People would come out and like talk about helpmates and, you know, the woman would stare at the guy. Like, it was, you know, it was very dreamy, 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 but no one ever said it was tough. And so I thought when I got out and got married that the first argument meant I was weak. I wasn't spiritual enough or that something was wrong. I think we need each other to say, no, it's a struggle. Here's how I got through it, you know, and we need people, people who have experienced many things. And that's what I think parts of the body do for us is to have a complete body to help us along the way. So now I want to talk a little bit about what biblical Christian community looks like. We've talked about loving, caring, and supporting each other. 1 John 4, 11 and 12 says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. I think this is something we need, people loving each other. We talked about having people who can tell you the truth in love, like my friend who said, I do not like who you are becoming around this other person. I think another thing that we do together is we serve those who are less fortunate. We serve the poor and widows. James 1.27 says, Religion that our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And another thing I think that we can do when we're in community is instruct each other. Scripture says iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We can instruct each other on how to become more like Christ, more like God, live the life he wants to live. And to do that, you really need to be around someone who is further along in the faith than you are. You need a mentor. You need people who can instruct you. I'll give an example. I, I was in, um, when I was in college, we had to take four semesters of PE, so I chose one of them was the ultra-masculine ultra badminton. <laughs> because when you are a young math major on the prowl for the woman of your dreams, there is nothing more impressive than to say, hey, baby, not only can I solve your equations, but I kick butt at badminton. <laughs> <laughs> Mondays and Wednesdays at one. All right, so, um, and when I took badminton, I was partnered up with this girl I had met before, and I really liked her, and she was really cute. So I enjoyed that aspect of it. But for the first time and only time in my entire life, this was something borderline athletic where I was better than somebody else. <laughs> so as much as I enjoyed playing the game, I will say at the end, the skills test, yeah, they had skills tests in badminton. The skills test showed I hadn't really improved. Why? Because I had not really played against somebody who was better than me, and there's really no reason to improve. And I think the, the same. I think the same is true in our spiritual lives. We need to be around people who are further along in the faith than we are, because they encourage us and make us better and stronger. And after you've been in the community for a while, you can be that person for someone else. 
because you've been around a while and there was somebody new who could really learn from the mistakes you've made and how you've succeeded. So I think that instructing each other is another and last thing I wanted to say about being in Christian community. Now, at Rock Hills, we have lots of ways that you can get connected to us. I know it's really easy to sneak in here at 1031 and sneak out at 1131, but we have lots of ways that you can connect into our community, and I want to talk about some of them. But the way to find out all the details is to go to the back. It's, there's these kind of like, you know, police lights that you stand under back there. But um, it's the connection table, and Sandy will be back there, and she has lots of information about how to connect. We have events that we do. We talked about steaks and stogies. That is just guys getting together to have fun. And I think the women, are their event is a game night, I think, coming up. Um, we just do things to get together to have fun. I, I sometimes host poker, which is really fun because you get to, in a Christian way, trash talk other people who aren't, who aren't doing well. That's always good. We also do service. We really believe in serving other people. Just uh, about four weeks ago, we went to um, a, an organization called The Clubhouse, and they, they provide support for people who are adults with mental illness. And what we did was we put out mulch and everything, and you know, it was fun, working hard. We came in at the end. We had lunch with them, and one woman got up and talked about how being in the clubhouse meant she wasn't seen as a disease. She was seen as a person. And she actually said at the end, after this really neat talk, now that I've been at the clubhouse, when I get up in the morning, I want to live. And you just feel a little bit like, man, mulch isn't enough. It isn't enough to help. But you know, the fact that you have helped somebody like that it makes you feel good. And I think you don't have to believe in God at all to feel good because God has built this as part of our design. Helping others is part of our design. And at Rock Hills, we do that. You can help others on, on Sunday mornings. Tons of ways that you can help. You can do setup crew. You can greet people. You can uh, do brew crew, getting the coffee ready. You can work with the kids. Lots of ways to get connected in service. Another way that I think is really important is we have these things called rock groups because of rock hills, rock groups. So we have rock groups, and these are basically small groups that meet together between probably 6 and 20 people, lots of different ones, to just, and this is a very churchy phrase, but we say do life together. It just means really, you know, live in your life with other people who are on the same journey with you, talking about your struggles, you know, if you get the impression that it's, it's very pious and we're all wearing pre, you know, priestly outfits, it's not quite what it is. But the uh, very first time that I went to uh, my rock group, um, Megan DeYoung was discussing this stranger who had said something horribly mean to her children and how she wanted to take him out. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this is the rock group I want to be in. This is awesome. This is awesome. <laughs> We also, have some, we also have some Bible studies, and we tend to have those separated by men and women just because the things that men and women struggle with or, or wrestle with are a little bit different, and we find it's useful to have them separate all of those in the back. Now, I will say, as you join our community, is it possible, is it possible that someone in our community will, will disappoint you at some point? Well, yeah, because we are human. You've heard the joke, if you find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. We're, we're all, we are all, um, we're all broken people that have our hurts, our needs, but we are all people who are trying to be better and trying to be more like Christ. So the last thing I want to talk about today is why isn't everyone in community, why don't people come to church and I think there are lots of reasons for this, and I thought of three. One of them that I, that I thought of is, you know, some people have a kind of vague belief in God. Yeah, I think there's something out there. I don't know that I need to go to church to find it. And 
I think this comes from our kind of relativistic society that people, people will say all the religions are kind of, they're kind of the same on the basics, but they just differ in the little stuff. And I want to encourage you, I can't really do a whole discussion on this, but this really is not true. They are very different in the basics and only similar in the kind of superficial things. And that's important to me. I think it should be important to you to find truth because the truth is there. And it's not just because I choose something, like I choose a faith tradition. You need to search for truth. Christianity says there is a God who created you, who knows you personally and who loves you and wants you to be reconciled to him. Buddhism, as I understand it, says there is no God. Those two things cannot be true at the same time. They can't. They're opposites. I very much encourage you, if you are struggling with how come Christianity over other stuff, talk to Dave, talk to Al, talk to me, talk to other people. We can help point you in the right direction. But I think it's very important to not know it's just a cute thing that you, because you like manger scenes, why we pick it. It says in that video every week, we believe Jesus really lived, really died, and really goes again. And we do believe that and believe that's important. Another reason I think that people don't want to uh, come to church is they don't want to have their toes stepped on, right? If you go to church, they might tell you something where you might have to change in action. So, but I think the Bible encourages us that um, we should be together. We should be wanting to improve each other. Two more examples I have. I think there are some people out there who feel like I really can't be part of a church community because you don't know what I've done. And I just want to encourage you what Jesus said. Jesus said in Matthew 9, verses 9 and 13, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus came, and when he was told by the religious leaders, why are you hanging out with bad people? He said, that is why I'm here, to reconcile people no matter what they've done to God. So I encourage you, we say come as you are. We mean it, warts and all. We want you as part of our community. We want to, jo- you, to um, we want to join you on your journey. And the last kind of reason that I think, and this is pretty serious because I grew up in church, and there are a lot of people who have been burned in the past by people in the name of faith or in the name of uh, religion. I uh, have a very good friend, very good friend. We've been friends for 40 years, and family has always been super, super important to him. And um, he had one cousin when we were growing up that he was just crazy for this cousin. They hung out together. They were super good friends. And in his mid-20s, when he told his family he was gay, this cousin said, because of my faith, I will never attend a family function where you are again. And you will never know my children. Sign me up for that church. That's pretty awesome. No. It still makes me upset today that this, that this happened for this friend of mine. Um, people have been burned by people in the name of religion. I have another example that I think the conclusion of it is, is helpful. My parents, um, when we were, I was about 14 or 15, we gave a party for the youth group. We just hosted one just for fun. It's about 60 kids who came to our house. About a month later, uh, some very brave, um, a very brave youth leader came and said, I think you need to know that there are families in the youth group that are talking behind your back about you. Really? Why? So um, 
what had happened was my parents, who were not big drinkers, they didn't see anything wrong with it, but we had a family friend came to see us every year. He was a cardiologist, very strict on his diet, and he believed that a shot of some kind of liquor would help him with his heart every night. So my parents had a bottle of this stuff that was tucked way away in a very low cabinet. Behind, like, you couldn't see You had to open the cabinet, move stuff, and be looking for something to find it. And my parents had actually forgotten it was even there because that person only came once a year. But two kids, 14 and 15, two boys, had rummaged, found it, drank it, and had been inebriated. So what was happening was, well, you know, the Eckerts had alcohol in their home. This is what happens. You know, wasn't, to my point of view, wasn't like, what happens is your kids stole the alcohol. <laughs> yeah, you stole it. It was not out. But my mom taught me, and I, I have used this a lot in my life. My mom taught me, Stephen, it is not God who is talking behind our backs. It's people who are not perfect, who are broken, who make mistakes. And if you're in this place today where you have been burned by somebody in the name of faith, this is not God. This is broken people who have done this. And we, I encourage you, well, first of all, I encourage you that Jesus hates this. His strongest words, the only time he gets upset in the accounts of his life are when people abuse their religious authority. The only time he said to the religious leaders of the day who followed these rules but were full of hate, he said, the outside of your cup is clean, but the inside is filthy, meaning your heart is black. Jesus said that was wrong, that their attitude was wrong. And I know from your hurts, Jesus knows that that's wrong. Please, let us help you heal by coming and being part of our community. won't be perfect, but we will help you on your journey. So we've talked a little bit about God's design for us to be in community. I hope you'll join us in this journey. Please, if you're thinking about joining, just do one step. Just, you know, you can go back to the connection table after service. Um, and we're, we're happy you're here. We're happy you're part of our community. Let's pray.